The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. We'll hear from Dr. Alona Duffy in Monaghan in a second, a general practitioner there. But first, Priscilla Lynch, clinical editor with the Medical Independent. Take us through this study published today by the Economic and Social Research Institute about providing free GP care to all of us. Okay, well, free GP care is a key pillar of the Sloan Care healthcare policy that we're in the midst of implementing at the moment. So the ESRI were tasked with looking at how much would this cost the state. So today they published their findings and they say that to implement free GP care to everybody in the population by 2026 would cost between 381 million and 881 million um, per year. Um, so it, it, it's a figure when you try and put it in context, I suppose, of the overall healthcare budget, which is 23.4 um, billion this year. So this is seen as a reasonable amount of money to extend free GP care. The government has committed to extending uh, free GP care across the population on an age basis at the moment um, but it still hasn't been able to bring that up to under 12s as promised uh, the last few years. It's still stalled at under 6s and as we know general practice is under um, a lot of pressure at the moment. So the ESRI looked at whether it would be cheaper to extend it by age or by um, income basis measure as well. So uh, to be fair to the ESRI they said that you know that this cost would be uh, if, if they extend it to the whole population but that they they realise that there doesn't look like there is a sufficient number of GPs currently to actually deliver um, the additional visits because they reckon they estimate that there would be an additional 1.9 to 2.3 million extra uh, GP visits uh, in 2026 if free GP care was extended to all so this is quite a significant extra amount of GP visits uh, and do our current uh, cohort of GPs would they be able to cope with this and uh, the overwhelming um, noise from them is that actually they would not be able to they're currently unable to cope with the current demand so um, oh, Sorry well, hold on there's an interesting point there if there's going to be an extra 1.9 to 2 million 2.3 million GP visits if those visits were free, these are people who are not going to the doctor at present because they have to pay for it, is it? That's right. So you'd have to really dig down. And, uh, you know, I don't think we have a full idea really of what it would mean as well to remove the amount of private visits to GPs uh, if there was free GP care for all. But we do know that when people do access uh, free GP care, uh, when they're eligible for it, their usage does increase. Um, so if you look at the under sixes contract that came in a few years ago, um, that increased, according to the uh, Irish College of General Practitioners, uh, uptake in the under sixes by about 30%. Now, some practices would have said it would have increased the uptake, particularly in the first year, by a lot more. And then it's kind of evened out since then. So that was a significant increase. So the increase uh, in usage as well would depend, I suppose, largely on the age of the population. We do know that over 70s who are entitled to free GP care would be heavier users uh, of general practice care. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot of pressure on the general practice um, population if we are to extend free GP care. But again, it is a key pillar of slaughter care and it has been promised in the programme for government. So are they actually putting enough measures in place to make sure that we have the capacity to do that? Now, that's the question. Uh, and the ICGP itself, it's um, issued a statement today saying that they welcome the report that currently we just don't have that capacity and that while they are increasing training prices year on year again there is quite a number due to retire 570 GPs are due to retire by 2026 we have about 4,000 general um, practitioners at the moment but as we know from covering this uh, on the programme a number of times currently uh, many GP practices are closed to new patients and people are finding it increasingly difficult to get onto a GP list and then they're turning to say other services 
services. So out of hours services, which shouldn't be used for that purpose because they can't get onto a list at the moment. And also same day appointments, which was kind of a key feature of general practice in Ireland compared to some other countries. That is something that has become more problematic and people are having to wait longer for their GP. But obviously this winter is huge pressure on general practice. So, um, you know, there is a lot of pressure there and they have committed to doing extra um, hours this January, but a lot of them say they're simply burnt out. Okay, there's lots of listener comments coming in. Uh, I'll take a few of them. I had to attend emergency doctor before Christmas. There were approximately 18 people ahead of me. The majority were out in five minutes or so. None of them had to pay on leaving. It got me thinking, would they have attended if they'd had to pay a nominal fee? Uh, Their children were all running around together and playing together. I, on the other hand, had to pay €55. I do not agree with anything for free because it just gets abused. If all paid something, maybe us workers wouldn't be fleeced and wouldn't have to wait uh, for 12 hours before attending our GP. Another one says, when something is free, it becomes underappreciated and abused. I worked in healthcare for almost 20 years and I've seen it all. A woman attending with a rash from jewellery attended the GP because it's free. A couple with a baby who had a rash the previous week but didn't, at the t- didn't attend at the time because it was cold arrived a week later just wondering what the rash was. I've seen working people attending later than they should have been because they were holding off because of the cost. Instead of charging taxpayers, everyone should pay something. Pensioners should be free, people on social welfare, even just five euro. Those long term unemployed should be charged. There is no incentive for people to work, says this listener. Dr. Alona Duffy, um, what do you make of this potential that everybody gets free GP care in the future? Well, I think, as, as Priscilla says, it's part of Slauncher Care. It's something that's been agreed on by all government parties. But the disappointing thing is that we've had a number of years to plan for this and to talk about it, and yet no planning has gone into general practice. I mean, the emphasis seems to have been placed on hospital services without any real thought as to how general practice will manage. And this is despite all the warnings being given to governments and to the HSE and to the Department of Health that we are in a crisis with general practice. 25% of GPs are over the age of 60. So that gives you a sense of how many GPs will be coming towards retirement. And while in the old days, many GPs stayed on longer and worked beyond the 65 and worked well into even into their 70s, that's not going to happen. General practice has changed. The demands are just too high. And, and people will, will just find that now practices will close as GPs retire and they can't be replaced. OK, and the population is getting bigger as well and the population is getting older. Our population is at its biggest since the famine. We're over 5 million at this stage. And, and again, what's happening in general practice is very different. I mean, general practice when I started 20 years ago is so different to now. What we do is, is, is great. We can offer so many more services to our patients. We can deal with chronic care. We can deal with complex presentations. Yesterday, I had a patient and an elderly patient. And in total, dealing with that one patient took an hour. Now, it's not possible to get through the volume of patients that we, we, we need to see and that our patients want us to see uh, with it continuing like this. So, you know, to say that they're going to hand out free cards, you know, knowing that this is going to have an impact and knowing that this is going to completely destabilise general practice really makes us seem more as a vote-catching ploy rather than any real meaningful attempt to provide good health care to the population. Mr. says, in Sweden, everyone pays to see the doctor €12, no one gets it for free. Children getting it for free, the under sixes and then moving it to other age groups, has that not been a good thing in that instead of parents not being able to bring children for fear of not 
not been able to afford the bill, that they now bring children and things get dealt with quickly and worse emergencies can be averted. Well, I think, you know, this isn't about blaming patients. I think there are two aspects to that argument, Matt. I think, number one, patient education is paramount. And if we saw anything this year, uh, in a winter that we're coming into knowing that all services were going to be really hit hard with demand, general practice, hospitals, did we see a decent public information campaign advising people on how to manage minor ailments, advising people on a brilliant resource the web, the HSE have called undertheweather.ie? We saw nothing. We saw no preparation advising people. So many people feel that if their child develops a temperature, they should see a GP that day. They don't understand that it may be viral, that they can hold on. They don't understand what are the red flags, the warning symptoms that mean, yes, you do need to see the GP or when you can watch and wait. So I think that's, that's an important piece of work that needs to be done. Um, the, the idea of the paying a co-payment that, that is working in many countries and yes, that you know, there's some talk that that perhaps would reduce the demand and make people think before attending about silly kind of things. But I think, you know, the reality is nobody attends unless they're worried. So either we provide... Oh, do they? So could there be a case yeah. that there are people who actually do go to the doctor when really they shouldn't? There are always people like that, but then, like, who's to say they shouldn't? If they're worried and they feel there's something going on, you know, we have to reassure them. But the reality is there isn't just the capacity there. And we look at, you know, the out-of-hours was mentioned. And, I mean, I had a role as medical director of, of the out-of-hours in the Northeast region. This winter, it be- completely became unsustainable. We were seeing patients booking in the afternoon and ending up with appointments to be seen at 2 and 3 in the morning. Now, many of those were children and by the time the time they were meant to come in they didn't come in because the child was asleep and well so again with proper information they needn't have come in but the HSC has done nothing to kind of help with this situation and that's where we need to start asking you know what are we going to do how are we going to protect general practice how are we going to ensure that this workforce that seems to be shrinking are going to be protected and and there are lots of solutions the ICGP of solutions people on the ground GPs on the ground of solutions you know make this the, the kind of family friendly career it was in the past you know GPs are now saying, you know, that actually I went into this in the past because I knew I could be home and see my family before bed. GPs are now saying they're in surgeries until eight and nine o'clock at night. They're going to do their on-call shifts. They're going to do their mandatory CPD, the ongoing medical education that they must do. So they're seeing less and less of their families. They can't take sick leave. So, they but can't then, take holiday leave. Are we going to end up like, and this might seem like an exaggeration, but, you know, we used to be full, a country full once of priests. Now there's hardly any left because it's not regarded as a, a vocation to enter. Are we going to have something similar with doctors that the numbers are going to continue in decline and that the situation will keep getting worse, that we're sort of in a race to the bottom here? Well, the ICGB have increased GP training positions and and like they hope to, at this year, I think 258 new doctors came in to start GP training and it's hoped that this will increase to 350. Now, even with this, we're still not going to meet the demand that we need, but it is a start. But the reality then, what we've got to do is try and encourage these doctors when they complete the training and go into general practice to see this as a full-time career for life and something they want to stay in. Unfortunately, men get into it and realise, gosh, you know, there's no end in sight. It just, there's no stop time. There's no protection with regards to the hours I work. And many of them then decide they, they can't continue it in a full capacity 
capacity, may work part-time, or may actually ultimately leave general practice. So we've got to go back to the basics and make sure this is a career where the doctors are protected, like other doctors in other healthcare sectors, be it consultants, be it NCHDs, public health doctors, they're all protected by working hours. GPs have to be provided with that. Yeah, but see, Alona, sorry, there, there is an issue here that we're getting lots of people complaining about it's too expensive to go to the doctor. There's one here that says, my daughter's a waitress, she doesn't go to the doctor when she needs to because of the cost of the visit. The GP visit card threshold needs to be much higher. Then we have people on the other end saying, when you give her for free, it gets abused and people go without really needing to go and that creates queues. And we might get to a situation like they seem to have now in the North and in Britain where you could be waiting, waiting weeks to get an appointment to see a GP, something that used to never be the case here in Ireland. So where do we find the happy medium? Well, the happy medium is that, you know, this government have promised and all parties have promised that they're going to provide free GP care. They need to stand back now and look at how they're going to do that and not just happily announce it. As they did last year, saying that they were going to, you know, give away another couple of hundred thousand medical cards, which will have a massive impact on general practice. So they've got to, as the RSI have said, that, you know, if we don't have the GPs, you may remove one barrier, which is a cost barrier for patients to see their GP, but instead place perhaps a more dangerous barrier, which means an inaccessibility to see GPs. So if there are people around the country, as we know, there are thousands throughout the country who have no GP, they are the people at risk. We saw the sad death of a child in Dublin in recent times who had no GP and and died of something that perhaps if they'd been able to see a GP may have been treated in the early stages. So, you know, I suppose, yes, absolutely, I get it. It can be expensive to see a doctor. It can be expensive to buy the medication. All of these barriers we want to remove, but we can't just decide to hand out, and this government cannot decide to hand out free medical cards to the whole population, knowing, as they do, that there is not the GP workforce there to provide the care. And then just one final thing to you on that, Alona. If you ended up that everybody coming to you comes in for free because you end up billing the state, would you still be working as a private individual contractor or would you effectively be becoming an employee of the government? Well, Matt, now that's a very good question because um, the way it works is that when we have a medical card patient, we get a set fee for the year and that's to cover everything. That's to cover um, the cost no matter how many times somebody attends, how many prescriptions they need, how many telephone consults face to face. And we're expected then to provide um, out of our service for that and meet certain standards and things with regards to our surgery. So it's, it's not based on a fee per item. It is based on a capitation scheme. You know, the HSE treat us at times when it suits them like employees with regards to cuts and doing things like Haddington Road, etc. when they want to. But yet when it comes to the protection that is offered to others as employees, we're firmly told that we're independent contractors and we don't benefit from any of those protection statuses. Dr. Alona Duffy, thank you for joining us. While you're there, Priscilla Lynch, clinical editor with the Medical Independent, can you tell me briefly, please, what happened when the HSE went in front of the Oireachtas Health Committee today about the Christmas and New Year crisis at the emergency departments. Yeah, that's right. We had the senior management team from the HSE before the Oireachtas Health Committee today trying to explain really as well the pressure on our emergency departments for the last number of months and what they're actually doing about it. So they did apologise for the care the patients uh, have been experiencing and the conditions that staff are uh, working under as we know that we hit that record 931 patients on trolleys a couple of weeks ago. Um, now numbers are down to 561 today which is still obviously an unacceptable figure. So I suppose the HSE were trying to show what they actually have done in the last couple of weeks. They've um, increased their usage of private beds uh, 
uh, up to 180 beds now. They've asked GPs to provide extra clinics of up to an extra eight hours per week, which they're saying is having uh, some impact as well. They're trying to they're rostering um, healthcare staff, including community staff and senior. Um, doctors and other laboratory staff over the weekends to try and increase throughput during the weekends and to increase discharges. They're talking more to nursing homes to try and increase the amount of nursing home beds that are available for suitable um, patients. And they're also talking about their community supports that they've put in place. But they did point out that sheer demand has been record-breaking this year, that attendances are up at nearly 15% more than 2021. Um, There's been a 15% rise in the over 75s as well. And that last year um, we saw the highest ever number of attendances at emergency departments um, you know, on a weekly basis. Like It's, it's regularly pushing 28,000 now and it's been 31,000 at week 44 this winter. So huge pressure they're trying to say that just it is the sheer amount of it that you know we have this twindemic of flu and COVID-19 and also RSV and that we are seeing similar um, you know, uh, huge spikes in demand for care in other European countries but again healthcare staff and obviously the politicians today would have put to them that they simply weren't prepared enough to deal with this, that the protections had been in place, that healthcare staff had warned them last summer of what was going to come and that they weren't adequately prepared, though it was welcome what they did do um, in the last couple of weeks to improve things. But again, it's just that the huge demand is there. We've heard the ambulance service is under massive pressure as well with record-breaking numbers of calls in the last couple of weeks. Um, so again, we, you know, we heard a lot of defence really about what's happening, but the HTC did say, they did say that they're actually, a review of capacity has been conducted by the department and that they're going to bring forward a plan this year, a three-year unscheduled care improvement plan uh, to, you know, to try and look at what they've learned from this particular winter and to try and better plan for the next few years because it's clear I think everybody is well sick of hearing about the HTC winter plan um, when it should be an all-year plan and what are we going to do in the medium to long term, which obviously would be welcomed by healthcare staff. Thank you very much Priscilla Lynch, clinical editor with the Medical Independent. The last word with Matt Cooper. Today FM, it all happens here.